up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia, in the beautiful heart of Arlington County. We are, of course, in Clarendon. I'm your host, Chris Farley, back again for episode 149. Wow, 149. And to get us through this episode, of course, my co-hosts, both are here. To my right, it's Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? I just want to say that just because James Farley doesn't like me, it doesn't mean that why, all kids why don't do you like say me. That? Why do you say that about my son? Because he doesn't. But there's Airbnb staying above me right now, and there's three uh, like elementary, middle school age children, and they knock on my door, and they can't wait to tell me about their day. See, okay, so my son is about 19 months old, okay? Middle school, you know, I, I think middle schoolers, they sort of get socialized to the point where they'll like Someone like you. I don't want to say your age. Oh, wow. No, I, I was going to say someone of your age. I don't want to say your age. But anyways, my son is at the point where he likes me sometimes. Julie, my mom, Julie's parents, and his nanny. And that's about it. Sorry. He likes Docs. He actually does like Docs. And let's bring in Docs. Docs, let's add him to the list. Docs. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, Docs, to my left? Docs, what's up? Well, um, that's because pretty much all kids like me. He's got some. He's got that way about him that mm-hmm. kids do like him. I, yeah, it's. I mean, regular people don't, but yeah, <laughs> I, I can't relate with adults, but, right. but kids, uh, kids are fine, and and kids love me. They do. Like all our and dogs, all our kids or all the all our friends' kids, mm-hmm. uh, call him Uncle Docs, and yeah, they really enjoy being around them so well i guess to be fair i'm probably an acquired taste it has to be a certain type of kid these three uh, james does not dislike you well we'll see when he gets older these three kids are in dc for spring break doing educational activities okay so obviously we've connected on that level and they have been telling me like their favorite presidents and what they're seeing in dc so if they were a different type of kid that weren't interested in the educational pursuits we probably wouldn't have connected what's your favorite president what's their favorite president not yours I already know what yours is. Uh, Abraham Lincoln is theirs. What's mine? Teddy who's Roosevelt. Uh, he's on the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who is the top of the list? Um, I don't. I don't like to pick favorites, but I really okay. like it's Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> okay. I like Teddy Roosevelt. I also like um, Polk. James Polk. James K. Polk. Yeah, you gotta say it's I'm K. So psyched! Yeah. I name n- nailed that one. Oh, James. Is that because that's what your kids name? Right. Yeah, that's probably the reason why I knew it. All right, well, big show to get to today, guys. Uh, Excited on today's program here on episode 149 to be joined in studio by author Leslie Haywood. She wrote the book Pretty Good for a Girl. It's a memoir, and she's going to join us in studio. She's got an event tonight here at Pacers running, uh, and so she's going to join us before the event. So excited to interview her and talk about her book. And if you're listening to this now... You missed the event. You did miss the event. Shame on you. <laughs> All right. Also on today's program, uh, we're going to talk about the event we had in 14th Street a couple weeks ago, uh, the Boston movie. Two of the three of us went, so we're going to get an update about how that went. Uh, cast your votes now for which two you think it was. <laughs> right, exactly. It's going to be unfair for the podcast listeners that attended. That's, they they that's have an unfair advantage. So we'll talk about that. Uh, there was a big championship game. Uh, and once again, a team from Philly wins the title. I want to talk about that and a debacle gambling story. Um, you know what? I'm done with my New Year's resolutions. Before Leslie gets in here, I, 
I haven't read a book yet this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, Are you going to pretend like you read her book? I, I'm, no, I'm not. <laughs> I've not gambled more this year. So you know what? No more New Year's resolutions. I know it's a, a staple in this program, but we're not going to do that anymore. Um, I also want to talk about how I loved last week's show and last week's guest. I want to touch on that. Uh, we're going to talk weather, of course, because once again... It's snowing in April. I don't know why Joanna hates this weather around here so much. It seems to snow every spring. No, it only snows when I can't run. <laughs> uh, then I also want to talk about a couple of things Facebook-wise, uh, or Facebook-related, I should say. Uh, before we get into that, though, um, it, we are in April, and it is going to snow. Um, Did you play any good April Fool's Day jokes? No, no. Uh, that's a good question, though. I think April Fool's is so dumb. Uh, I, I just, <laughs> I would never uh, really participate in April Fool's jokes. But I don't know. Do you? Did you guys have any? Do any? All right, good. All right, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move past that then. Um, we are almost three years doing this show. That's an April Fool's joke. <laughs> I mean that. Are you sure that it's <laughs> almost three years? I thought we're in our fourth year yeah, already. Yeah, I think we're in our fourth year. You're kidding. Yeah, because I think we started in 2015, So, okay, so it's pretty right? easy to... to, to uh, yeah, we started when I was still at Clarendon. It's so, no, it's pretty easy to define because we're hundred almost 150 shows, 52 weeks a year, so... I would divide. So I just divided it by three. So we got three okay. years in, right? Yeah. So three years in, uh, about give or take. Oh, uh, I, I guess I do the seasons. So the album title for each episode is season one, season two, season three, season four. Mm-hmm. But I've been doing so. That's by the calendar year. Right. So, so we're going so into you're our right. fourth we're four, year. four months short of the first year. Well, we're going into our fourth year almost. Mm-hmm. Which is which is an April Fool, which is crazy. We've actually been recording during four calendar years. That's true. That took me a long time to say that. Well, it's true, and that is—I mean—that's crazy. Uh-huh. Like every Tom, Dick, and Harry ha- have a podcast, but the three of us have been together. Joanna, do you listen to the Tom, Dick, and Harry show <laughs> as a group for over three years now, or for four parts of four calendar years? Mm-hmm. I mean, h- how big of an upset is that? I mean, seriously, <laughs> can you believe that? I don't like to think of us as underdogs because Ben Blankenship <laughs> doesn't true. like and underdogs. And I do, I do love Ben. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not surprised that we've lasted this long because we, we're doing our job. We're showing up like we're supposed to that's, and performing. That's true. And it would be an effing waste if we didn't. How that's many true. times have you guys quit the show? <laughs> I, I, I've ne- I don't think I've ever quit the show, but I felt like um, you guys might not come back probably mm-hmm. a half dozen times. Um, it's double digits for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Joanna, for real. Do, you fear, do you care to answer that question? I don't think I've ever quit the okay. show. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, so I'm just a disgruntled employee. I, I just want to take a moment, though. We have actually put out a show on a consistent basis for three years, almost yeah. three years plus, which yeah. is just incredible. So kudos to you guys. Amazing. Um, and thanks to the listeners. Uh, it's uh, quite a run. It's been quite a run. It's quite a run we've had, yeah, you and I. Inside joke between me and Docs. Um, so I, I was thinking about that and kind of looking through Facebook. A couple of things on Facebook. I mentioned that uh, as I set up the program here. Um, first of all, it's my birthday today, and thanks for all the birthday wishes. But um, Spoiler. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really – I don't really – want all the attention 
<laughs> I, I truly don't. If we've learned anything in these four calendar years that we've been recording this show, I truly don't. It's that Chris Farley doesn't. I, I just want think attention. it's. I think it's an annoy. I mean, it's not annoying. I appreciate everybody's well wishes because there's a lot of listeners who's reached out, who've reached out to me and you, said happy birthday. You're saying you don't like the attention. Right, that's your birthday. Like I, I don't know how to shut off Facebook. I'm not easy. You, you don't have your real birthday on there. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. I, I need to do that. First of all, first of all, everything we know about data breaches, you're an idiot for having your your real information on Facebook. Yeah, you're you're probably you're probably right. No, probably about it. You're, you're definitely right. Okay, thank you. You're, <laughs> you're definitely right, but. It's on there, and I feel like at this point the cat's out of the bag, and you know I feel like now if I change it, it would be like people are like, oh well, what? Why did you change it, or what? what did I offend you for saying happy birthday? You it's think, just kind of a, like how do you respond? Well, I just hate that. Don't change it today. I mean, maybe today it's too late, but then in a bit, like in a month, go back and and set that to private. Or I think yeah, you don't have to have a birthday showing. Okay, maybe you don't. I just don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not sophisticated enough on Facebook to figure that out. That's what Facebook and the Russians were counting on. <laughs> well, it's 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 very nice for everybody to uh, to wish me happy birthday, but I, again, I don't need the attention. And I think that how are people of- supposed to know that everything that you do in your life is <laughs> look at me, look at me, look at me, and now the one time when they're like, "Hey, I'm going to give this guy attention," yeah. you're like. Uh, okay. I cannot believe these people. I I I probably have contradicted myself a little bit on a the show bit. at, yeah. to, at times. Bit. But so I just I, I just don't um, love that way of getting attention. I like getting attention for other reasons, for sure. Okay, I, I'll agree with that. But I just don't know if I love that as you know a way what I to don't get like? attention. I you know what I don't like is I don't like that people know it's your birthday just because it's set because Facebook tells them. I don't like that. You want people to just remember? To know. Well, either either they should know your birthday or they don't know your birthday. But I'm right. I'm not a, I, I'm not a fan of like I, I'm with you. And and I will say that because uh, I haven't been on Facebook in like three years, and and face and my Facebook doesn't have my birthday, and the birthday that's there is not real, and I'll get an email that a relative of mine is wishing me happy birthday on a Facebook page, which they know I don't look at mm-hmm. i'm i'm gonna join your 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 protest march here <laughs> on birthdays see i find i find that to be especially somebody who's who's related to me i find the birthday wishes through a facebook page to be very impersonal and it's just checking a box yeah yes which you know it's fine i'd I, rather I, no effort than that effort. again i don't want i don't <laughs> yeah i, I i'm kind of with you i don't want to Tick off anybody who did wish me happy birthday because, again, listeners did. I appreciate it. But I'm just saying, like, I, I don't like that that's a way that people get attention and that's the way that they... Are looking for likes? Yes. Um, I would also say that this, for me, kind of equates to uh, knowing somebody's phone number. So I haven't been on Facebook in over a decade. So people, if they know my birthday, have to, like, text me or email me they already know facebook's been around for a decade it has it's been over a decade but uh like nowadays like just an automatic message at somebody's birthday and then you can send them a present on facebook to me is the same way that you just see someone's name in your phone and click on it but the people like my parents my boyfriend my best friend like there are some people whose phone number is like i know because i need to use it outside of just Mm -hmm. pressing the button so i think for me birthdays fall into that category that you would you'd actually know it it wouldn't just be an automatic thing okay i like that um 
So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my birthday off. Joanna, you're going to take your birthday off. Oh, I never work on my birthday. Oh, okay, you never put it on. Docs, you're going to take your birthday off. She's um, saying that she takes it off from work. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I don't work on my birthday. You don't work. Our, what, what are we going to oh. take our birthdays off? Oh, from? I'm sorry. Take your birthday off Facebook. Oh, it's I'm not on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, my birthday right. was never on Facebook. Okay, so you're not going to work on your birthday. That's fine. Because um, you didn't anyway. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do, though. Uh-huh. Instead of wishing the three hosts a happy birthday, what you're going to do as a listener of this program is you're going to go and give us a five-star rating at Pace the Nation. <laughs> That's how you wish me a happy birthday. That's a good point. Just like Jackie Beck did. She gave us a nice five-star rating. Caitlin Kay, Shane Greer, Bill Pop-a-pop, which Pop-pop, I, I don't think that's his real name, Nicholas Blake, <laughs> Dan Smith, and the newest one, Shana Bierstow. So thank you to all those people for those five-star ratings. That means much more than a happy birthday. Can, can I have a uh, recommendation for your next New Year's resolution? Mm-hmm. Don't try to pronounce people's last right. names. That's, yeah. true. that's true. All right. So uh, that's my birthday thing. Uh, next, uh, I wanted to bring up, you brought up New Year's resolutions. I've always talked about uh, gambling more. Um, I, I haven't been able to gamble much, so I'm going to oh, probably so, just... so heartbreaking. I'm just going to probably not put that on the list of of New Year's resolutions. I thought you didn't have that this year as a your New Year's, New Year's uh, resolution. I kind of was an try unsaid like, one that I wanted oh. to do, but uh, <laughs> I just I don't, I don't have the time. Um, so, uh, like, why, I, why would you want to? I don't get it. Why? Why are you like? Why is that something that's like? Fun, oh, I've got to do it more. It's a fun thing to do. It's a fun thing to do generally in my 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 view. So it'd but, be like me saying I want to play soccer more. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, Weird. A fun leisure activity. So I have a family member. I'm not going to say who it was. Um, who Will you was tell in, it to us in private? Who was in Vegas. Um, I had that family member. So I did gamble some. I had that family member put uh, some money on the Virginia Cavaliers for me to win it all. Well, mm. we all know how that worked out. I feel like you've done this in the past. I have, yeah. Um, and that's, again, why I should gamble less. Uh, so my, this family member... Um, did that for me, but then also said, you know what? I'm going to put money on the Michigan Wolverines to win it all. Mm. So mm. this person puts $20 on Michigan to win it all. Uh-huh. At what kind of odds? 60 to 1. Okay, so, so the what's payoff, 20 times 60? The, pay, the payoff would be $1,200 for Michigan to win it all. This mm-hmm. po- At this point, they had won, uh, you know, they, they were good, but, you know, outside or right on the edge of top 20, okay. not won the Big Ten tournament, not, you know, for all the basketball geeks, okay. you, know, you know what I'm talking about. But So let's say like this, this was a long time ago that they placed this bet. Exactly. And this was a pretty long shot. Mm-hmm. So Michigan uh, makes a – Virginia is out in the first round. Michigan makes a run, last second shot, gets to the lead eight, wins that game, goes to the final four, and gets to the final four, and this family member says – and this is going to get kind of gambling geeky, Joanna. So I think I'm going to probably lose you. I need to hedge my bet uh, to make sure that I win some money. Because at this point, Michigan needs to win two more games, and they this person wins twelve hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So, Joanna, do you know what hedge your bet means? Take a that, guess. Does that have anything to do with a point spread? No. No, yeah. then I have no, no idea. Those are the only terms so this, I know. So this person would put money on the team that Michigan is playing so they guarantee themselves winning some money. Oh. So they put money on uh, Loyola Chicago, who they played in the Final Four. 
let's say they put a couple hundred bucks on it. They couldn't find anybody in Vegas, so they found an online site. And these online sites are a little bit shifty and shady, right? Mm-hmm. So put the 200 bucks on it, lose that, thinking, okay. Then in the final game, they'll put money on that to uh, you know, and, and actually come up some something positive. Let's say they put $600 on the, the final game or something like that. So they'd only be 800 in the hole, and if, if Michigan wins, they win $400. Total. If Michigan lo- yeah. loses... They still win, you know, let's say they won $600 or something like that, or $400, something like that. Does that explain it for you, Joanna? She's sure. lost no, in the it, sauce. I, I can explain this for you. Okay, okay. please explain. So, so they bet on Michigan, mm-hmm. and if Michigan wins the whole thing, they're going to win $1,200. When they placed the bet, the odds were so ridiculous that the payoff for a $20 bet is huge. So now with two games left, what they're doing is betting on the opponent a certain amount of money so that if the opponent were to win, they still win money. Mm. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's basically diversifying. Well, it's basically it's diversifying hedging. the portfolio, hedging the bet. So they mm. bet, uh, I'm losing Joanna here. So I'm going to try to keep this tight. Uh, cause Joanna is my barometer. Like Joanna is my barometer of the audience. So if I'm losing Joanna, I'm losing the audience. Okay. So, he he places the bet on Loyal Chicago. Loyal Chicago loses, so now he needs to place a bet on the uh, final game on Villanova. Mm-hmm. Could not get the bet in, ruined his entire month because he could not get in the bet in because he needed some sort of like cryptocurrency to get on this site that well, is you have offshore. I know I should have given him some of my cryptocurrency that is dying. Uh, hopefully, no none of our listeners have invested in. Um, Bitcoin or any. It's sort so of weird that that uh, you guys bought high at the peak of the market. <laughs> That's and you're a whole other story. That's a whole other story. Uh-huh. I don't want to get into my Bitcoin okay. uh, investment. But uh-huh. he could not place the bet, and then you know what happens? Michigan loses. So this funny, this fun twenty dollar bet turns into anguish, heartache, and. A loss of two hundred fifty dollars. So for me, that's where gambling loses me. I yeah, you just the, can't the, even the thrill or the prospect of winning. It, yeah, like two birds in the bush are not worth one in the hand for me. Yeah, no, that's why I'm giving it up. You're right. I think that's a wise idea. You're right. You're right. It's over. I, f- I feel bad for this family member. I feel bad. I couldn't really help them get the bet in, but uh, it's either they legalize gambling, uh, sports gambling around you know around the country, or I'm out. So <laughs> you're such a ridiculous person. Hopefully, hopefully that's really going to change the laws. <laughs> hopefully somebody oh, is listening. Boy, hopefully that'll show them. <laughs> How much did you drop on Virginia? 20 bucks. Oh man, that's make it or break it for that industry. So the Philadelphia team won again. Another Docks, parade. Uh, another parade in Philly. I'm sure I, you're, they're your favorite team besides I'm not, Virginia. I'm not actually like interested in, in Philadelphia college teams. Yeah. You're it's, not interested in Temple. Drexel, Villanova. I can't name any others. Can you name any others? That's everything. Penn. Penn. All right. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah okay. It's an Ivy League or Farley. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. So you're not interested in those. You're just interested in the, the, the Philadelphia the professional, professional teams. teams. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I'm, and not their professional soccer team because I'm a DC United fan. Well, I have, uh, if I'm giving up gambling, um, I will do it after I put a lot of money on 
the Philadelphia 76ers and the Flyers <laughs> to win Dude, it all. Because all the they Sixers all, have won 12 in I a know. row. All, all, all those Philadelphia teams do is win titles. So I know. Has I may have I may have bet a little bit too low when I said 10 titles in 10 years. Uh, well, in the history of sports, has a team or has a city that has four professional teams ever had all of those teams win in the same year? No, no. Not the four of professional main sports. And, and this is the first time that uh, a city has had a Super Bowl champion and a uh, NCAA champion. Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah, odd. That is, yeah, that is. It is kind of, but but actually, if you think about it, traditionally, the, the big powerhouse schools don't have professional franchises in the same city. So mm. it's kind of a misleading fact. Yeah, there's yeah. no football team in Durham. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. Well, that's uh, that's my sports talk, my gambling talk. Um, um, we'll, I'm get also, to, we'll get to weather later on in the program. Well, I'm also giving something up for 2018. Okay. I'm giving up um, hoarding. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. I was probably, if I'm being honest with myself, like a level three hoarder. Really? Yeah. I have a hard time getting rid of things if it has just like a small segment of um, sentimental value. Um, but now I live in a very tiny apartment, so I had to get rid of a lot of stuff. Mm. And now I'm a minimalist. Okay. How so many books do you have? I didn't get rid of... I got rid of 20 books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 20 then books let's talk about what you actually got rid of. So you didn't get rid of any books. Um, I got rid of a lot of clothes. Okay. I got lo- rid of a lot of um, like keepsakes. So I used to keep... What are like, keepsakes? Like movie tickets or like VIP wristbands or yeah, like hold on to those programs too. from things, TRE uh, lanyards, like yeah. things that like I don't really need. I just like to look at and then be like, oh, I remember. I remember that time. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't need to do that. I also had, uh, when I was in high school, a collage of all like running things on one side of my wall. Mm-hmm. And when my mom made me take it down, I put it, all the pictures in to a folder and I still had that folder even though they're like taped up magazine things so I threw those out but I brought two of them in just so that you could see okay um, I will take a picture we'll tweet it out at Pace the Nation uh, what an old runner's world cover wow, looked like look at look how at dated that. that is wow and then um, also this Wait, old what's wrong with that I don't get it it's, it's just, just it just looks old the text looks old um, it's just we've come a long way. My old seventeen it's magazine. Fifteen years are, old. Yeah, and then like look at this old Asics. That was like cool wow. technology, and now look at it. I did like these ads though that had uh, like. I mean, no offense, honestly, Asics, but you've come a long way. I honestly wow. don't know what's wrong with these ads. I, I, <laughs> you guys are like, <laughs> yeah, we're killing way it. over my head here. They're just so they're just so dated. That's all. Like you look at it and you're just like, oh, a bygone Looks fresh era. Fresh to me. <laughs> Yeah, it probably looks like a lot like what's in Doc's That's house. That's weird. Like, yeah. I, I would think that a 23-year-old would find <laughs> right. these very I antiquated. Know, it's fresh. It's so fresh, fresh and so clean. All right, clean. we'll tweet those out. Uh, the good good uh, visuals there, Joanna, at Pace Nation. Yeah, visuals are always a, a, a home run on a podcast. No doubt. All right. Um, well, we can ask our next guest about uh, some. Of, she was she was a, a runner in high school in the 70s and the early 80s. Uh, so we'll ask what her runner's world looked like. Uh, back when she was running competitively. Uh, she's ri- written a book. Her name is Leslie Haywood. She's written a book. The book is called Pretty Good for a Girl. It's a memoir. And she's going to join us next in studio here on Pace Nation. Welcome back to Pace Nation. I'm William Dox. Chris Farley is uh, going to be noticeably silent for a change. Uh, and we're joined in studio not by one guest, but two guests. We have a guest interviewer. Heather Jeff is in studio, and she's already asking for a gold jacket. 
Heather, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Docs. I'm really excited for my gold jacket and small, please. I hate to tell you, this is only your second appearance. And we're, we're joined by our guest, Leslie Haywood. She wrote the book, Pretty Good for a Girl, a Memoir. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. And Leslie is joining us from upstate New York. I understand that it was a breeze getting down here, no problems with traffic at all. Oh, no problems whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Never had a, a longer five hours turning into seven in my life. <clears throat> Yeah, so so you're here, and you're, it's pretty exciting. You're actually here in Clarendon. You're you're here for the uh, book event tonight, which is going to be hosted by Heather. So she's naturally uh, the the natural selection to come in here and take the Chris Farley role. And, I read the book, so I totally beat Farley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, he, I think he was debating whether or not he was going to admit that he hasn't read a book yet this year, but. Uh, he doesn't so, have to admit so, it. We just admitted it for him. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's perfect. Um, yeah, so thanks for joining us, both of you. And Joanna is here, but she's not going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get to it. Um, so, Leslie, thank you so much for coming. We're really happy to have you. Typically, when we host book club, it's in the summer. So it's decidedly not summer, but we'll make it work anyway. Um, so I read the book. Um, I honestly was, like, very uncomfortable reading the book, not because of you <laughs> but I felt like the topics you covered were first of all they were so timely but they were so not right now and that kind of threw me for a loop and also I felt like your the intimacy that you shared was uncomfortable to read and I read every night before I went to bed and every night I was like why do I keep doing this and I can't <laughs> imagine like for me I wasn't you I, I what brought you to the point where you were ready to like dive into that and just kind of relive it and rehash it and get really down into like your story I don't know I guess I was having a me too moment <laughs> far before the rest of the country was because <laughs> uh, really kind of that's what the book is and and does and I don't know it, it was I do do I teach gender studies um, at, up at Binghamton University and a lot of the the issues in the the book have to do with that and I, I'm half creative writing and half on the academic side and so I think the issues kind of came together with the writing came together with my life and it just was the story I had to tell it's powerful I mean as uncomfortable as it was it was powerful and I think it resonates greatly with everything that's going on around us and in Michigan and coaches yeah. and teachers and un, you know, people you trust and then you're questioning yeah. everything. And anyway, so I'll get to the questions. Um, will you tell us about the book? You know what? I haven't read it for years. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's too bad Farley wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I haven't read it either. Yeah, join the club with Farley. I'll tell you about it uh -huh. a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when, when did you write the book? It, it was written in the late 90s, and it was mm -hmm. about the early 1980s. So I was kind of the first generation post-Title IX coming through, and, you know, we really had a lot to negotiate with kind of <laughs> making the, the guys want to have us there and be comfortable with us there. Okay, let's talk about that, because I think what you covered really well in the book was you, to me, and please correct me, but I felt like what you did was talk about Title IX really well, and I think we should talk about that a little bit. And I also thought it was interesting how you viewed yourself and how you placed yourself as a competitor, not as a female, which yeah. I think is a huge um, shift. So 
Will you talk about that a bit? Yeah, I think because of the time when that took place, it was almost like to be accepted seriously as an athlete, if you were female, you had to disavow any anything female. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to be a guy. And like one of the headlines in the local paper, I'll always remember a huge headline, Amphi's Haywood, one of the guys. You know, and it just like that, that was the badge of honor. So it was a badge of honor to disavow the other women runners. It was, you know, a badge of honor to act like a guy. It was about, you know, you had to just be that. And it was also the 1980s, you know, early 80s. So um, it was also very much that like hardcore competitive zero sum dog eat dog, never stop competing, never a moment off. It was a whole different world. Yeah, talk about your training a little bit, because I think compared to what, I mean, I'm not an elite athlete, I know, but I feel like what we see elites doing versus what you were doing was amazing. Yeah, it's so, I was really in that early period, that kind of late 70s, early 80s, where it was just like as much mileage as possible, never rest. You know, run seven days a week. Your rest day was your 20-mile LSD run, and that was every Sunday. Oh my gosh. And, you know, that's combined with endless hill workouts and, you know, three times a day workouts too. So it was just, you know, never off, always on, you know, never stop, and, you know, kill yourself at every workout. If you didn't, and I ran with the guys, I didn't run with the girls' team, I ran with the guys, and it was a big race, you know, every single practice. So, um, and also, you know, when I, then when I transitioned from high school running and I uh, ran at the University of Arizona, was, you know, a scholarship athlete there. And it was just as competitive, you know, with all of us and between all of us. And so, like, every practice was just like a death, you know, a death match. So at the University of Arizona, so you were you were a standout in high school, and then when you go to college, you were surrounded by other standouts from their high schools. Exactly. So what was that dynamic like with those girls when you were used to always being the best, and now you're surrounded by other girls who are also at your caliber? It was really stressful, I think, for all of us. And we were all um, – the, the body – standards were really stringent and you know we were all told we had to be under 10 percent body fat and they used to weigh us in the training room in front of the football players and you know it's just again a whole different world and we were all like constantly policing each other and like ah she gained an ounce you know like it wow. was you know at dinner hardcore <laughs> yeah no at, at, at the you know at the food table it was just like everybody's looking at what everyone's eating like oh she's like she's eating that you know it was it was really bad talk about your coach's dinner because I thought that was really interesting because he wanted I think it was your college coach made you guys keep a diary of your food and then would have you to dinner and then you had to eat properly but then you had eaten properly and there were the ramifications of that like that I thought was a really interesting part yeah, it was, he was very, um, like, that was a big part of our training, was that our food was policed. And so we, you know, <laughs> we were all predictably, um, you know, every one of us had some version of an eating disorder. Every one of us was injured. It was really not a, a good way to go. But again, it, you know, it was the model of the time. It's what people did. Um, so, so at that time, 
this felt like the normal for you. Completely. Yeah. And, Completely. And so nobody even had an inkling that, hey, nope. this isn't right. Nope. Nope. Was, was we this it was what we were supposed to do. Right. Was this, was, were these eating disorders, was this uh, common for female athletes or was it specific to the cross-country uh, track teams? I think it was an issue in other sports as well, but it was particularly pronounced sure. like, with us and other other sports where, you know, the emphasis is so much on the body and maintaining a, a certain, you know, configuration. So, right. yeah, cross country was one of the worst for sure. Did it leak into the men's side as well? It wasn't as, um, I'm going to say it wasn't as policed. It was almost like with them... They, they were all really skinny anyway. They were all ectomorphs, you know. They skinny, you know. Uh, never had to worry about a thing they ate. And the thing was, we had a wider range of body types. Like I'm a mesomorph. I, you know, I put on muscle like that. I, you know, I'm not like, you know. It, it was really, really hard to kind of stay in the weight range they wanted us, which was, you know, around 110, 115 for somebody five five and. You know, it was really hard for me because I would, you know, we would also weight train and I would put on muscle instantly. And then, then I would be like, oh, my God, I'm getting fat because, you know, my thighs would be so vicious. <laughs> growing. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was, but really, this is how things were then. It wasn't like it was aberrant. It was like this was just kind of the world of running then. So I feel like in recent years, like the female athlete triad has been very talked about like yeah. I wasn't yeah. familiar with that term and then it became I feel like it's one of those things once you hear it once you hear it everywhere like right. when in retrospect did that kind of come out to you like as a thing that you identified with I think I I if I'm remembering right I think that shift came somewhere in the 90s where uh, enough research had been done on it that you know there some public awareness started to come out about it and also the coaching paradigms I think has really started to shift away from that all on all the time you know um, starting to think about incorporating rest uh, starting to think about okay you know um, policing people's eating is maybe not the best way to go so the the whole paradigm really i think started to shift somewhere in the 90s i'm not exactly sure where but i'm kind of remembering somewhere about mid 90s so have you like in your life past the track not to skip ahead all the way through the book but um did you like how did you kind of get out of that place in your life where you could rest I mean, your body revolted tremendously. So you want to talk about that a little bit and then kind of the aftermath of that? Okay. Yeah, so the the overtraining and the, you know, 120 miles a week and you know, the kind of the intensity we ran at, I, eventually um, I, I developed something called mixed connective tissue disease, which is an immune disorder. And the doctor, they, there's not, you know, it's fairly rare. So they don't know exactly what causes it, but they really think it's triggered by stress. And so um, it's the kind of thing where your immune system starts to attack your own connective tissue. And, you know, my joints would just freeze and I would get like 105 degree fevers and just be, you know, like freezing cold one second and 105 the, the next. And I literally wouldn't be able to turn myself over in bed. I can remember not being able to bend my fingers or, or just turn myself over because everything hurts so much. So it was pretty crazy, but I would have these attacks and then they would go away and I'd be fine. 
until I would have the next one. And so I, I kind of, my sophomore year of college, I was competing like that um, until it got to the point where I, I think I ran, uh, we had just finished cross country season. I think I ran a half marathon, like one of the local you did. ones. I yeah. read that part. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Your story checks out. <laughs> <laughs> and my doctor just happened to be race. running it too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And at the finish line, I had beaten him and he was crimson. He's like, oh, you beat me. <laughs> and, um, and, and then like an hour after that, I got an attack and he was still around. And so he's just like, good, good, let's get you, you know, in right away so I can see what's going on. And that's really how we kind of figured out, you know, more what was going on. Because when you don't see the attack, it's really hard to get a sense of it. Well, and I'd imagine, too, with all the stress of, like, the running and the eating and the this and the that, and, like, I wonder if the presumption was also maybe it wasn't real. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's, because that's what the that's what the team doctor, of course, said. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of because it, it wasn't a well-known condition, they were doing a lot of tests for a while until it's actually, it's a combination of lupus, scleroderma, and polymyositis. But in the mixed connective tissue version, it doesn't have none of those you don't have any of those full-blown, so you have lesser symptoms of each of those. So could they tie it back to, like, was it a one plus one equals that for your running and your life? Did it bring that about, or was it separate? It came to me, I mean, as a professional, that it looked like one plus one equaled that. Like, you, your body was so worn down, it kind of looked like that was a, the, like the hard stop. But was that... What the doctor did say to me, look, if you don't stop training like this, you're going to die. Okay, that's pretty hard to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Not really a mixed message I was there. Like, I was like, fine. <laughs> I can't stop, you know, and he's like, you have to. Was it a relief on any level? Because, I mean, it seemed like you were just under so much pressure for so long to be the best, the best, the best, the best. Uh, no more. It was like, what am I going to do with myself? You know? And, and it, this is also your sophomore year? Is this right, or was this later on? Yeah, this is my sophomore year college. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And l luckily the transition was what ended up being fine because they, they um, kind of just moved me to keep my scholarship. They moved me into the weight room. So I was an assistant strength training coach, and I learned, you know, I dealt with all the athletes on all the teams. I learned how to program for all that different stuff. I learned so much, and that kind of set the foundation for my whole what I did next. And that's actually goes to your earlier question. That's how I kind of moved away from the, you know, the super high mileage to kind of, you know, just – <laughs> running, you know, kind of normal, you know, eight mile runs, you know, doing a little bit of speed work, but nothing intense. I moved my competitive stuff into powerlifting. That's so crazy. So I powerlifted. <laughs> I, after I cross country, and then I was a powerlifter. And, lift, and, lift and, and now, I could, now I compete in yoga. So it's kind of gone from. One so basically, you need to compete with somebody. <laughs> kind of has gone that way. Wow. But. But see, the powerlifting, and this also goes to one of your earlier questions, in powerlifting, it's kind of like it's good to have extra weight. It helps. Yeah. Right? So you have to maintain within a certain weight class. So you, you want to be right on that class. edge. <laughs> like you want to be right on that edge, right? So I think when, when I competed, I actually competed in the 132 to 148 and class. You, and you were running at 105, 110, you said? Yeah. 
Well, what, what, 110, 115. 110, 115. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's a big difference. It's a big difference. <laughs> it's a lot it's a of muscle. Difference. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I lo- I was pretty scary actually. I went through I went from one extreme to the other and yeah, had so much muscle at one point that you know, I, I couldn't turn my head. I was so muscle bound. I totally get it. <laughs> 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 not at all. Wow, that's amazing. I don't mean to make I'm not making fun. I'm making fun of me. Um so I don't want to I don't know if I want to talk about this that much. I don't know if you want to talk about this much, but I thought the whole, like, to flash back a little bit further into your high school career, you um, had a relationship with your coach that was totally not okay. Yeah. And is very um, much in line with a lot of things other students are going through now. Yeah. Um, and I thought... And we, we all were then. Like, it was not uncommon then. We all were then, but nobody would listen. Like, it just didn't... It was one of those things, just like with the gymnast. Yes. You know, the gymnast reported it, you know, years earlier. No one listened. It just wasn't a thing that signified. It wasn't a thing that mattered. It was kind of like, well, hot young girls are out there with, you know, with with men who think they're hot. So, you know, what's going to happen? Right. Right. Well, right. Was, exactly. Of course, because look at them. I, I just, <laughs> I couldn't. the attitude. It was so amazing to me because he was so bold. And so unapologetic about all of his indiscretions. Yeah. To put the word, that's not even the right word. But, like, I couldn't believe, it just seemed like a totally different universe where you could just, like, I'm going to sleep with my students, and then I'm going to show up, and I'm going to maybe stalk her a little bit, and then I'm going to sleep with her again, and it's going to be fine. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, So I guess my question is, when... And it really was about putting me in my place, too. Yeah, there was that, that was whole element super awful. to it. It was just, you know, <laughs> and I, like, here's, you know, a woman who's out of line. She's, you know, got too, she's too egotistical. She's too full of herself. We got to, like, bring her down. Which sucks. That was life then. <laughs> and then it just seemed like it impacted so many of your relationships, both male and female, yeah. because, I mean, that when you trust, I mean, I don't know, when you know, like you trust somebody and there's those lines are crossed, then you're forever trying to navigate, I would imagine. One thing that really helped me was that I moved on kind of from being coached by by him to a, a very strong woman coach that, that was, was my favorite just part. hired. Yeah, she was just hired, like, I think right at about that time. And I think she had actually heard what was going on if I'm remembering it right, she she heard from someone what was going on. She just approached me and said, look, <laughs> I know this is going on. This is horrible. This isn't right. This happened to me, too. She said, you know. Gosh. And, and you know, let me coach you, you know, please. Like, and, at, you know, I was kind of at my wit's end. and was just like, please, you know. Um, so that was really wonderful. She really saved me. I think that's such a cool thing that happened, especially in that time period where you're just post Title Nine, you're just yeah. you know competing for real, and another woman can kind of get you out of not out of but pull you through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really good. I also really thought it was cool because at the very end of your book, because at the end I was like spent. I was uh, like, oh spoiler my alert. gosh, spoiler alert. Okay, and that's this is a good spoiler alert. <laughs> women helping women is the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I just I thought it was great because in the epilogue where you got into just like basically 
you know, all this stuff went down, but like now I can see other women and they're standing up for each other. And yeah. I love that. I, yeah. That made me feel so happy because I, you know, you had been through so many layers of just struggle and fight. And um, I don't know, that made me feel good. Talk about that a little bit. Well, finding, um, it wasn't called gender studies then, but actually it was called, you know, like uh, feminist theory, I think is what they called it then. I found that in college. And that kind of gave me a framework to start to understand mm. a lot of what had happened. And just put it in perspective and see that, oh, it wasn't my fault. You know, that it was part of a larger systemic issue. That it wasn't just me. Wasn't I wasn't the only one that it happened to. You know, that it was just part of a much larger systemic thing and it wasn't really anything to be so dramatic about it was more something to understand and try then go forward and change it for other people do you think okay I know we're kind of like diving into a place that's not running but like in terms of life now like with people speaking up and all the me too and all the discussion about it I heard this interview and I it definitely struck a chord with me of how it's been going on, like you said, and it's been a, a systemic thing for, you know, decades. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a point lately, and I don't know what the impetus was, but this was the interview I heard, was basically like in one minute someone spoke up and enough people tipped over with yeah. them yeah. that it changed it. Like yeah. how do you view it as someone who is very clearly a precursor to the whole thing? No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was sort of... It, it was weird in a way, you know, because it had been for so long, you know, the, oh, let's just ignore that, you know, boys will be boys, whatever, this is the world, you know. Um, and so when it actually did start to tip and everybody started to come forward, it was it was just like, wow, like what caused that? Like, you know, what was the tipping point? And it really does seem to be like the whole mindset I guess about these issues is so different like and it happened fast Mm -hmm. like it happened within a year like fast but it happened within like 50 years like that's the (laughs) thing it was like the fastest slowest thing ever like that's what I think is amazing like one person tipped it but everyone had been there right 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 we had been there kind of yeah and in our own little things like you know in my own case the the coach actually was was fired or was mm-hmm. told to move on. So that that actually happened. But it kind of was like, it wasn't anything was talked about publicly. Mm-hmm. It was more like, that's just this secret and this one bad apple, you know, like instead of, no, this is just, you know, this was just accepted as the way the world was. Do you, do you find this tipping point, did, did you, do you find that to be... Uh, is there any any vindication for you or or is it frustrating for you? <laughs> That's a really good question actually. I would say both. Yeah. Both simultaneously. I, I, yeah. Because it's vindication on the one hand because finally you know what myself and everybody else have been thinking and feeling all these years it's just like uh, finally like okay like you know the public discourse is lining up Right. Finally. Um, But also, I guess frustration because it took so long and because we weren't listened to. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, everybody is. 
and so it just makes it like I don't know, it makes you feel kind of like a ghost a little bit. Ooh, that's a good explanation. Um, how do you feel now about like running, like your own personal running, and also kind of the the I don't know if media is the right word or the sport of running these days? Like, how does it? What is your relationship with running? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I kind of dove back into it briefly um, in about 2009, 2010. And of course, I, and I had always run every day, but, you know, I wasn't competing in any races and wasn't doing much more than about a four-mile hill run um, for years when I was doing the competitive powerlifting. But I always ran every day. I loved it. Um, I've always loved trail running and do a lot of that, you know, by my house. So I like, um, I would just run up the big hill into the woods and, you know, it's like a four mile loop. So I did that every single day. Like, you know, from the time I lived in New York, I ran in California when I lived there. I, I ran every day always. Um, but I don't know, long about, I, I think it was a midlife crisis. I, so <laughs> long about 2009, 2010, I just, I like, oh, I'm going to start doing those marathons, you know, I like, like I, I had done I one. they're really going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did one, like, just for fun in college when I was studying for exams and didn't really prepare for it. I just kind of jumped in. Studying and for exams. And then for fun, <laughs> yeah. the marathon. Yeah. What can I do what to let out some steam? <laughs> it was the distraction. It was. It was the distraction from all that, you know. I could have a second beer or another 20 dollars <laughs> But yeah, 2009, I just decided, okay, I'm going to really like train for this, go for this. Um, and then, of course, I overdid it. Like, I just, you know, so I ran, I think, three halves and two fulls in one year. And one of the fulls was, is, I don't think they do it anymore, but it's called the Mount Lemon Marathon. And it started at I, like two, like sea level and went up to, I think it's, 10,000 feet or something oh. and there's no downhill oh there's no down- so it's, fun. it's straight up it's straight <laughs> up but we actually used to run their training my cross-country team used to run their training in high school um we would sometimes go up on Saturday mornings in the summers and, and run up there but never the whole you know and so we actually kind of have a little, little mini reunion myself and some of the guys on the team that always used to do it. and a couple of us actually ran the race and then a um, like four or five other guys, you know, from the team, you know, joined us for a party later. And our co- old coach came back, not the bad coach. The, <laughs> <laughs> Just the, to be clear. <laughs> the, the earlier coach that, you know, sort of really encouraged me and, and you know, was was a really good coach, you know, within the, the parameters of the, the time um, and didn't put the kind of pressure I put on myself. Like he really was not like that. And he joined us too. And that, that was really wonderful. That must have been very cathartic. It was. It really was. Yeah. Then yeah. what happened? Um, I don't know. We still all keep in touch a, li- a little bit, you know. But after that uphill marathon, I decided, mm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do CrossFit now. Oh <laughs> <laughs> What's the next thing I could do? So do you run anymore? So, so I took up CrossFit really seriously, competed in that, um, you know, was, was a coach. We had a, we had a CrossFit gym for a while. Um, so I was really into that. And running is a big part of that, but always kind of in a different model. So it's, it's always like the either the, the warm-up to the more high-intensity interval training kind of stuff, or it's incorporated into that. So you'll be doing your 
burpees and your push-ups and your squat cleans, and then you go run an 800, and then you come back and do all that again. You can go run. You know what she means, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the kind of running, you know. I I've kind of been doing ever since, and now kind of what I do uh, is really just there's a couple people that um, I do private training with, and I always run with them before we do that other stuff and then you know just on my own for just because I still love it I I still go on these short you know little four milers and and stuff you know maybe three days a week so so you're so moderated now (laughs) (laughs) I do Bikram yoga every day oh you're not (laughs) (laughs) for me it sounds really laid back but yeah <laughs> wow. It never goes away. It was just like I think, you know, it's sort of I came up in a particular period of sports training where overdoing it was just what you did and especially what you did if you were a woman. Because if you didn't, you were a wuss and not good enough and not a real athlete. And what are you doing out here anyway? And, you know, so it's something that just gets stuck in you. And, you know, is, is that also kind of like a, a hangover effect of Title Nine? Like, like that, that if, okay, well, if we're going to, and I'm doing air quotes, yeah. give you this opportunity, you got to, you know, do 120%. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't blame it on Title Nine, of course. No, no. I, but definitely, definitely that was a part of, you know, kind of the overall, here you have this opportunity that women have never had before. Right. You better, you know. So, so it's not, okay, so is, is this like an internal pressure or is this coming from, because you, you talked about like the relationship with like some of the men's sports yeah. that it used to be a boys club that, yeah. you know, the college athletics and now um, the government is forcing uh, equality. How dare they? Uh, yeah. So can you, can you talk about what that experience was like being, being there as Title IX is coming out? It, for anybody who doesn't know Title IX, maybe can you also explain Title IX for, for our listeners? So that was the Education Act of 1973, I believe. It's we don't fact check, or so that's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I think it was 73. Uh, and it did mandate kind of equal funding for men's and women's sports. And before that, women's sports really had gotten nothing at all. And so I was uh, one day, I think I first started competing in about 78. And it really did kind of depend where you were, too, because um, I was in Colorado for a while and they had a really progressive team. And we didn't even ever know that it hadn't always been this way. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. We didn't know. That's interesting. And they started us weight training really early and treated us just like the the guys teams and we all trained together and it was very progressive and very very nice um and then i moved to arizona and it was a big football school that i went to so that's a whole other a whole other culture that's a whole, a whole other, other culture. mess yeah. exactly exactly and they had you know won the state title and you know for a number of years so it was like that was the you know it was kind of like the you know um, what was that show the Friday, Friday, Friday Night, Night Lights, Lights. Yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of culture, that mm-hmm. kind of model. Well, so. Friday Night Lights was a good good show, so that must have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that you know, know the, the worshiping of right. you know of the football and the male athletes, and you know, pretty much ignoring everyone else. Cross country, of course, was not you know like the guys were all marginalized too. 
right? Because they weren't the mm-hmm. marquee sport players. They were just these crazy skinny guys, right? And so kind of they were marginalized for one reason and I was marginalized for another. So we all kind of really pulled together in that marginalization, I think. Nothing like a little marginalization to pull a group yeah, together. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. What are your feelings now about female athletes and like girls coming up in running? Like, are you, does it feel loaded for you to think about other girls kind of? God, these girls are amazing. I know. <laughs> I mean, God, like in the New York State cross country scene, like these like, like eighth graders are running like, you know, 16 minute <laughs> 5Ks. You know, eighth graders. I don't even understand it myself. <laughs> yeah, the math on that's a little intense. So yeah. do you feel like it's a good thing? Do you feel like it's a bad thing? Do you feel like it's it's manageable now due to the kind of the change in coaching? Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Do you think, do you think running in sports is a good thing for young girls? That's a really not fair question. No, it isn't. Not at all. Okay, let's try that. <laughs> because of course it is. Of course it is. Right. I don't want you to say no because then that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. But how do you safely enter into it maybe is my question. But, you know, oh, actually no. that's not a good training at the elite level of any sport for anybody, male or female, it requires the sacrifice of pretty much everything else okay let's not be elite then let's just be regular people okay regular people yeah that is a whole different thing because at the elite level you really do have to prioritize in a way that is very different because I look at running now for like the like the kids in my life the little people in my life and they love it it brings them joy they're proud I don't feel scared for them in any way and maybe that's totally naive I don't know but um do you see that, like, are you able to, with the lens you're looking through, like, to be able to kind of get out of your own space, or is it too colored? It's a really good question, and I have to admit, so when my daughter was running cross-country, um, her team, um, we were in a weak division in New York State. New York State's really competitive. Our division is kind of a weak one, and the team she was running on was not very competitive and she was for a while and I pressured her like you would not believe really and I was just always like don't even talk to them they don't even try they don't even warm up get away from them just ignore them just train on your own and like be as good as you can be and she didn't react to that well at all interesting and for good reason right right but I didn't see it right at right. the time I thought I was helping her be good right you know like let's sharpen this tool right exactly <laughs> you know but I but I was dealing so much with my own baggage and I know she was so devoted to her team and she was so upset with me that oh. I kept trying to get her to ignore the team I kept telling her, you have to warm they don't warm up you warm up on your own you have to warm up you have to do this this this, this. oh my gosh and she's like mom we're gonna stop talking about this now <laughs> So, so did that change, or what changed, or did it not change? And we ended up having a big falling out that yeah. had a lot to do with that. And she's yeah. not even running anymore. Yeah. And I kind of blame myself. Oh. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And I know she was so devoted to that team, and I could see a whole different mindset mm. kind of emerging. Yeah. There. And I was looking at it as a negative mindset 
you know, for with all my own baggage. Like, they're not taking things seriously. They're not warming up properly. You know, they're not doing cool downs. They're what not, is this mess? <laughs> no, it, no, it did. I thought... I thought it was a disaster. Oh. Right? But right. they were just having fun. Right. And enjoying themselves. How and, dare they? Yeah. <laughs> that nerve. <laughs> but so on the one hand, though, I'm thinking of these other eighth graders who have these times, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you right. know, my daughter who was running, you know, 19s um, and thinking like, okay, well, but she has to be down with the 16, you know. Oh, that's so hard. So it was. It was. And it's a whole, again, it's a whole different mindset. It's like taking, like, that 80s pumped up mm-hmm. too much of everything and imposing it on a whole different culture and a whole different way, way, way where girls can support each other because it's okay now. Yeah. You know, it's okay to be a girl. Nobody thinks you're automatically inferior just right. because you are. Like, it's okay. And I still, I think, am coming a lot from time when it wasn't okay and I had to always prove. Mm. And I was imposing that on her. That is hard. Yeah. It's good you can see it. It sucks you had to do it. <laughs> like, live through it. But I wish that's... I had seen it earlier. I wish I had seen it in the middle of it. Because, yeah. yeah. That's hard. Yeah, but that's tough. It's, it's tough to have that perspective in, in the moment. <sighs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and it's also, it's also tough, you know, kind of when you're, historically raised in one model and then it shifts so drastically yeah. mm-hmm. i remember being really upset like around that 2009 2010 time when i was when i was uh, doing races again um that run walk method oh galloway was really yeah. popular yes and i remember being like what do you mean you're walking because <laughs> like, like, in my day if you walked a step it was like heresy oh you my could gosh. not walk a step Step, yeah. or you know you were just what the was biggest the point? loser ever <laughs> right and so I was really upset by that and then well, I had to kind of go through and rethink that and the other thing that helped me do that was the trail running because actually in the trail running sometimes it's so tough right you have to walk mm-hmm. you can't yeah. not so that kind of helps shift that perspective as well but it's been a real battle to kind of get out of all that and into something you know, more like what people enjoy today. <laughs> <clears throat> more like the hobby jog. <laughs> um, but that's good. Like, that's a yes. good thing. Like, no. we used to always think about that in contempt. Like, we hated joggers. We had so much contempt <laughs> for joggers, you know? Like, um, and, you know, that's so wrong. That's so wrong on every level. I remember get being upset when somebody would call me a jogger yeah. when, when I was running in college. We were running on the golf course once, and, and this lady was like, we do not like joggers on our golf course. <laughs> right. And I was like, I don't like joggers on the golf course either. Who's <laughs> <laughs> jogging here? Yeah. If I see any, I will let them know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Leslie. Oh, you're so welcome. This is awesome. I appreciate you coming. Sorry about the traffic. Well. We, we usually have clear roads all the way into the center of the universe, but today was a little backed up. Apparently. I had heard. I had heard. <laughs> I had been warned. Yes, thank you very much for joining us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Pace the Nation. I'd like to thank our guest Leslie Haywood. That was a pretty, pretty good, pretty intense interview. Yeah, she's really, she's really great. I like talking to her. Yeah, 
And and I thank Heather for uh, sitting in and and sitting in Chris Farley's seat and and uh, doing the heavy lifting on that interview. Totally, Heather did a great job. Yeah, she just used it as a warm up. Like her main event is coming up. <laughs> uh, this was our main event. Well, and you know that Leslie likes warm up, so yeah, and, yes, exactly, yeah. So I think that was good for everybody. Yeah. Um, and it was probably good to uh, have somebody doing the heavy lifting that did read the book because Chris <laughs> Farley admitted he didn't read the book. So uh, that probably helped a lot. I think it's a really important story. I think her story is really important, and I think it's it's uh, good that she uh, is sharing that with, with everybody today. Definitely. I'm glad that she's able to join us in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, it'll be interesting if any of our listeners – see how the sausage is made uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure that Chris Farley's voice is going to be the next thing you hear. So two out of the three of us went to the uh, Boston documentary movie viewing the other day. Was I one of them? <laughs> you were one of them. Oh, did I have and, a good time? And uh, <laughs> uh, you had a great time and Joanna was the other. I did not make it. Uh-huh. Uh, I know I'm I took so- your ticket. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't make it. Uh, sounded like it was a very successful event. Uh, it sounds like everybody enjoyed the movie. It was um, good. It was a good movie. Um, we had some technical difficulties yeah, at did. the beginning. Yeah, that's so anytime you – this is just some advice for everybody. Anytime you have technical difficulties, it's good to have ice cream on hand yeah. and tell everybody mm-hmm. it's an ice cream break. <laughs> that's good. Yep. So now, I'm going to tell you a story. When I was in Switzerland, I went to the movie theater, and, ha- and I was watching the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. And – Halfway through the movie, I mean, this is a movie where you're just like completely invested. You're like, oh, my God, what's happening and everything like that. The lights go on. They close the curtains on the screen. Everybody gets up and they go get ice cream. And then they come back in 15 minutes later and then the movie starts again. Mm-hmm. So that was basically what happened. So we did a we had like a Swiss Swiss viewing of, <laughs> right. of the Boston, Boston documentary. Movie. Yeah. All right. Well, um, the yeah, the DVDs didn't work. There was two of them. Both of them didn't work. So, yeah. you know, it happens. Uh, so fortunately, we had uh, our engineer, William Dox, on hand. Oh, I didn't help at all. <laughs> and somebody, well, somebody downloaded the... Uh, the, the, the uh, Steve. Uh, oh, Steve downloaded uh, the movie from the internet. Mm-hmm. And everybody And then Heather did a, a good time. job of uh, talking to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's calling f- filling. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. you know... We do mostly on this show. That's all the show is. Just <laughs> it's just Phil. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, any other highlights other than the ice cream movie was good. Yeah. The movie was good. I think, you know, people, it wasn't, it was about the marathon, but it's also about what the marathon means to the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are always asking me why I like Boston so much. And I think if you're really curious, just watch this movie. Okay. That's good. Good advice. Uh, Boston Marathon is in a couple weeks. I'll be heading to Boston on the 12th. When do you go there? Uh, the 13th. All right. We'll, we'll have to try to um, get together, uh, Joanna, maybe uh, at the finish line to celebrate your uh, how many years in a row is it for the 5K? Um, I think this is the 10th year. 10th year. Yeah. Is, it, is it really going to happen? Is it going to happen? Well, because yeah. this year we'll really celebrate when it does happen. Yeah. I think it's going to be very difficult. I will definitely not be running, um, but I, I am hopeful that I can walk it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. That should be a documentary in itself. <laughs> uh, can I say one more thing about yeah. the, the, the movie night? Sure. There's a reason why I don't go out in public. And like th- there were a couple people that came up and said, oh, hey. Uh, and this Actually, let me say like this. 
Farley, I, I'm blaming you <laughs> on your birthday for not being there. Mm-hmm. I, I need you to be there to like when people come up and say, "Hey, I listened to the podcast." You know, my my response is like, "Oh, cool." I, like I don't I, I I don't know how to talk to people. Right, right. Well, you your know? your role on the show yeah. isn't to be the glad hander. Like exactly, that's, that's my role. Well, I feel I feel bad. Like people were were very nice it's, and they came up and they they introduced themselves and I was just like. I don't know what I'm doing, and I even told Joanna. I was like, "Oh my god, I just I'm, I'm an idiot." He's he, I have and he's no. Not, and then so, and then like I was like like basically saying I was telling her that how bad I am at this, and then somebody else came up and said, "Hey, listen to the podcast. Nice to meet you. Whatever." He's not say, well, the, let me also just yeah. point out that they specifically address it, docs, not me, <laughs> even though I was standing there. So I think I'm I'm actually ready to quit the podcast now. <laughs> this is your first time. Okay. Yeah. Well, he he's not an awkward person. In, in real life, he's really not. So whoever met him there and thought that was the case, it's well, I don't, not the case. I don't really it, – it, to me, I think it's still kind of funny that people listen to this show. Right, right. And, and so when somebody comes up and they start talking about it, it's, I'm they just know totally you taken aback. They know you and you don't aback. know them. Right. No, it's not that they know me. It's, it's just like it, – it's just surprising that people listen. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just taken aback by it, you yeah. know, kind of like I don't really know how to handle the situation. Whereas Farley would be like – Oh, what was my favorite thing that you that I've ever done? Right, you know, like <laughs> I would I would have glad handed the, the yeah. audience. Yeah, well, yeah. he has actual real skill sets. I have these soft <laughs> skill sets. They're, they're they're BSing and filler. You know, that's uh-huh. what I can do. That's about uh-huh. all I can do. But well, I I would like to apologize to everybody I met for being <laughs> no, such an idiot. He's really not. He's I, I've gone. No, out I, with, I am really apologizing. Uh, well, he's he's really apologizing. I've gone out with Docs thousands of probably literally thousands of times, uh-huh. and he's not. He's not. He doesn't have a problem with so in social situations. He just needs, you, you know, me there as a punching bag, and then he you can get him going and give me <laughs> That's all my the crutch. Time That's yeah. my, my social crutch. I do want to thank Kyle uh, from Adidas for um, uh, sponsoring the event. Uh, very cool that Adidas sponsored the event. Adidas, of course, sponsors the Boston Marathon, so he sponsored the Boston viewing. Uh, Kyle did say uh, he's a loyal listener to the show, but he usually just listens. For us to talk, when we talk and mm-hmm. when they when when we ha- I thought this was really funny, and when we have a guest on, which mm-hmm. I thought would be the other way, he fast forwards through the guests. Mm-hmm. He just wants to hear the banter between us three. Oh, well, then he's gonna love this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, anyways, thanks to Kyle and, and Adidas for uh, sponsoring that very cool event. All right, so we haven't gotten to the weather yet, and of course, we always have to address that. We usually address it in the early segment with Joanna's comments. Yeah, but I wanted to say that kids liked me. <laughs> right, that's true. So you had to get that out there. So it is supposed to snow on Saturday. So everybody who ran Cherry Blossom, hopefully you were successful in running it. It didn't snow. It, you're, you're pretty sure it's not going to snow. I'm positive it's not going to snow. It looks snow. like it's going to be too hot to snow. It's not going to snow. Okay, all right, good. I like your optimism, but you sound bitter about that. You would like for it to snow, wouldn't you? I'm, you know, at this point, I'm ready to move on. Move on to yeah, the I'm ready for spring. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, uh, so I wanted to acknowledge, you know, this being a weather podcast, that it may or may not have snowed, but there there was a potential weather event that I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the weatherman like Alex Liggett made us all go crazy and make sure that we buy every single. Uh, uh, jug of milk in the uh, oh in my the gosh stores. yeah hopefully can, everybody hunkered down yeah I'm can sure I, can I I probably said this on a, a previous yeah. podcast mm-hmm. but the the most unrealistic thing about The Walking Dead is that two years after a zombie apocalypse there's they're going to stores and finding things 
I guarantee you on Saturday afternoon with this this flurry of snow forecasted, mm-hmm. the entire grocery store is going to be empty. Right. No bread, no milk, nothing. There's going to be nothing on any of the shelves, which which is why I laugh at you know what an unrealistic program. It's an yeah. unrealistic program. There's gonna yeah. there's nothing gonna be in these these true. stores t- two years later. What do you think is the last item to go in a weather event? What's the last item to go? Yeah, like what do you think people don't rush out to get? Uh, gogurt, <laughs> mayonnaise. Because you don't have to go anywhere. You would get regular <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> I think mayonnaise, mayonnaise like tuna fish. Like I don't mind tuna, tuna but tuna, tuna fish. fish. Would, would people would take tuna fish like crazy? No, I, I, tuna yeah, fish would keep in cans. Nah, yeah, gross. that's exactly it's what got you, mayonnaise in it. I can't stand tuna. So tuna fish. No, not, I make what, my, not what you wouldn't get. Yeah, you're trying mayonnaise. to you're trying to put yourself in other people's shoes. I make my tuna with mustard, actually. Not a mustard guy either. Hmm. Not much of a condiment guy. Yeah, he likes a plain turkey sandwich <laughs> with nothing on it. Uh, so gogurt is a good good. Uh, a good guess. I don't know, but that's a good question. I, I, I agree with you uh, that the, the, the zombie movie or zombie show hasn't seen two inches of snow in Washington, D.C. and what the stores yeah. look like afterwards. Yeah. Uh, or they would change. Most them. unrealistic part yeah, about those kind of shows. All right. So that's the weather event. So we covered that. Uh, Joanna, your foot, we got to cover your, your, your oh, surgery right. update. Mm-hmm. So you have two shoes on now, which is a big update. I have two shoes on. That's correct. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I'm four weeks post-surgery. I went to see the doctor. He said my bone is healed. And mm-hmm. as soon as my foot was unswollen enough I could it, and I could put a real shoe on, I could start walking around in a shoe. He said uh, at six weeks, I can start power walking. And if I feel <laughs> able, I can lightly jog. Six weeks from now or at the six-week mark? At the six-week mark. And what mark are you at now? Uh, this is week four. So in two weeks, you're going to be out in the track power walking? Yes. Are you going to get like a special helmet? <laughs> I might need one. Yeah. I'm still oh, very... Oh, because you might fall. Yeah, I'm very unsteady. I was thinking more of like speed, but... No, I'm very. I'm still very unsteady. I can't imagine trying to run right now. Mm-hmm. If there's if there's uh, Pacination paparazzi out there, please get videos. Of oh yes, please, 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 please. That would be great. That would be around great. the Banneker track or whatever <laughs> track she goes to. So, Docs, Marine Corps is coming, and you wanted to mention something about uh, Marine Corps Marathon, right? Yeah, um, I have a family member who uh, their son plays for the Washington Ice Dogs. It's a special hockey program located in Laurel, Maryland. Nice. It's a nice hockey team for individuals with with developmental disabilities. Yeah, and we do love dogs, so the Ice Dogs fits this program. <laughs> love it, love yeah, it. Yeah, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a, a Marine Corps Marathon uh, fundraising team. So if you didn't get a spot into Marine Corps Marathon and uh, you agreed to the $600 fundraising minimum uh, for their team, uh, you can actually uh, run for them. Uh, you sign up, agree to that $600 fundraising minimum, and you get a Marine Corps Marathon registration link. Yeah, very cool. That that and that is a low barrier to entry. Six hundred bucks. Uh, that's not much. So that's that's awesome. So we will tweet out the link uh, at Pace the Nation. So if you need a bib, uh, the Ice Dogs could use your help. Uh, so uh, check out that link. Yeah, and if if you can't find that on Twitter, their website is uh, thewashingtonicedogs.org. And if you have any questions, you can email them at WashingtonIceDogs at gmail.com or check our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Awesome. We will put out all the particulars on that. 
uh, on both, like you said, Facebook and Twitter. And this podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area D.C. locations. Pacers Running is for every run. We also have a store in Princeton, New Jersey. The New Jersey Marathon coming up. Uh, my manager, Steve, up there is training for the New Jersey Marathon. He and I will be uh, racing each other. And uh, hopefully, he can, hopefully he can pace me under three hours. I don't care. As long as he Wait, gets is, me under three. Are you racing each other or is he pacing you? Eh, I, I'd say it's, it's going to be a race that turns into um, you know us pacing each other probably a couple miles in. So uh, we'll be shooting for that sub three hour mark uh, because I'm not sure I can train and get, get it in uh, with the, the second kid coming. So, Steve, I'm relying on you. Six forty-five. Sorry, buddy. Steve, if you can't pull this off, uh, we are not doing another breaking three. No, no, that was made very clear that 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 last chance meet. That was the last chance for a last chance meet. No doubt. Uh, Good, good point, Docs. Uh, I brought up earlier in the program how much I enjoyed our interview last week with Ben Blankenship. I mean, how could you not love that guy? Well, let me say, if uh, you're listening to this program and you had uh, any technical difficulties, there was an issue with mm-hmm. with uh, the the file for the show, and it for some people it downloaded a previous version, a previous episode, with all the wrong information. Right. So if you did not hear the Ben Blankenship interview, go back and download it. Everything was fixed uh, earlier in the week, um, but. You know, if you gave up on that show, don't give up. Go no, back and listen. No, to it. it's 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 a worthwhile listen, especially uh, after this ringing endorsement. Farley's right. well, new boyfriend. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Ben Blankenship doesn't need pace the nation. Uh-huh. You know, he's 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 a made man. He is a because very of, successful runner. Because, well, who's made I mean, the Olympic running team. the running thing? Yeah, sure. But uh, as he explained, is because of the birthday thing. Yeah, that's the age, the age bit. <laughs> that's true. That is that has put him on the map even more. Uh, yeah. But yes, the age thing and the fact that he made the Olympic finals uh, for the good old USA. But, uh, you know, I really like guests who promote us when we send out a link on Twitter and then they promote yeah. that link. It's only fair. Not only not only did they did not just a like, not just a, you know, push the heart and you get a get a, a like, you know, uh-huh. that. You can sign up for my, my uh, social, social media, media class, class. And, and, and I'll explain it further. But when you go even further and retweet it, but when you go even further than that and retweet it with uh, a message, and his message was Lost American Folklore, Volume 1, retweeting <laughs> our uh, our link to the show. Yeah. You retweet it with not just a message like, hey, listen to me on the show, yeah. but retweeting it with a message of some sort of inside bit. Yeah. I mean, that. Th- now, now. Do you understand what he said? No, I don't really understand it, but it's a bit. <laughs> He's doing a bit there. Yeah, it's good. I think it's, it's, it's really. Funny. I mean, I think the lost American folklore is him running the Crystal City 5K no. Uh, Twilight Race. I don't, I don't know. Do you understand the bit? I don't know. Kind He's, of, yeah. he's doing a bit. Because he there. says volume one. Yeah, he's he's it's doing, good. It's like it's, a, it's it's almost like um it's almost like a Bob Dylan book. Okay, I, I'm not a Bob Dylan guy, so I don't well, understand. He, Bob that, Dylan but, didn't he write the book Chronicles Volume One? Wasn't he a singer? He's not a writer. I, I know that much about. Well, Bob actually, Dylan. he's a poet. 
No, I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a brilliant musician. But he, he's a musician, he right? Right. His okay. songs were poetry. Sure. Uh, Bob Dylan is definitely a writer. He won a Nobel Prize. All right. See, those are things that I don't really know about. I, I know him. I know uh, that he was a singer. I'm not going to quote any of his songs. I think, I think I gained credibility with my. Uh, Wait, you're not going to quote any of Bob Dylan's songs? No, I'm not going to say any of his song titles or anything like that. I think mm-hmm. I've I've earned my credibility in that field when I gave you a Rush title last week. Oh my so gosh! So I don't think yeah. I need. I don't think I need. You to. should. This is a situation where you should not hedge your bets or double down. No, you should just take not. the money and right, yeah. right, right. So I feel like I'm good there, but um, I don't even know how we got on Bob Dylan. Chronicles Volume One. Mm-hmm. Okay, American Folklore. Well, my point was. The fact that he retweeted it with his own sort of inside his own twist twist and joke to it, yeah, that's how it's done. Yeah, that's how it's done. So, well, that's uh, a that's a a social media final project A plus in Farley's class. Absolutely, well done, Ben Blankenship. Does so. does, does he get uh, with that tweet alone? Does that mean is he like now exempt from your class? Like, yeah. is he, does oh, that yeah. demonstrate that that? Uh, he he can opt out of that class and still get credit, and he got his credit hours, mm-hmm. no question. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, look forward to seeing how he does uh, as he heads to uh, some Diamond League meets this uh, spring. But uh, he's got a new uh, number one fan. All right, another episode in the books, Joanna. That was episode one hundred and forty-nine. Can you believe we've made it one hundred and forty-nine episodes? No. I know. That's a big theme of today. We can't believe ourselves. Um, I'd like to thank Chris Farley. It's his birthday. He left early for his birthday dinner. Uh, thanks, Christopher Farley. Uh, I'd also like to thank my co-host, Joanna E. Russo. A lot of people to thank today. Uh, our special co-hosts for the interview, Heather Jeff, and our guest. Thank you very much for joining us, Leslie Haywood. I'm William E. Docks for the Pace the Nation staff and crew and everybody else associated with this production. Thank you to the listeners. Have a good summer. So I don't understand why this is so quiet. Talk about the passion. Can we do a real quick 
mic check on you, please? Sure. Um, Talk about the passion. I don't know what that is. I assume this is a song of some band that I don't listen to. Have you ever heard of R.E.M.? I have heard of R.E.M. I don't really like R.E.M. Yeah, that's okay. Um, what are some of the best R.E.M. songs, though? I don't know that I could name a single one. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Is that a song? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So there, what's the frequency, Kenneth? That's a good one. I like it. Do you know the story behind what's the frequency, Kenneth? No, but I have a feeling I'm about to hear it. Dan Rather was mugged in New York City, I think on his way home from work, by some schizophrenic guy. And he just kept yelling to the guy. I think he had a weapon. Mm-hmm. And he just kept yelling, what's the frequency, Kenneth? What's the frequency, Kenneth? Huh. And so then R.E.M. has a song called What's the Frequency, Kenneth? And that's where What's the Frequency, Kenneth? comes from. Huh. It's a good story. So how did um, how did R.E.M. hear about this if it happened to Dan? R- I guess it was news because it happened to Dan Rather. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That was back when the news was legit. Joanna, guess my Uber rating. Well, you said that you thought you had a really low rating, so I'm going to say 3.8. Joanna, where do I find my Uber rating? <laughs> okay, so you open up your app. Mm-hmm. And then... Wait, what's the highest rating? Five? Yeah. Okay. So then on the side where there's those uh, three little lines in the upper left-hand corner, you click on there. Mm -hmm. And then you go to settings. Okay. I can save you some time. I found it. Oh, okay. So you said 3.8? Yeah. What's your rating? Uh, 4.83. My my Uber rating is 4.68. Oh, that's not bad at all. No, it's not. But I think that it should be a five. Yeah? Except for, we should just throw out one rating. Yeah, throw and out the I, lowest one. I think if we threw out the lowest one, which was, to be fair, on my birthday, uh, then I think that I'd be at a perfect five. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I read somewhere that sometimes Uber drivers give low ratings, you know, if you're not standing outside, if you close a door too harshly, if you're not talkative enough. I mean, it could be anything. Or if you talk too much. Or if you talk too much, exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like I do a very good job. Do you get to see what each person rated you? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's anonymous. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like I'm like always outside waiting for them. I feel like I give directions if they need it. Yeah, but I'll be honest, I I don't care. <laughs> like, I'd rather wait inside uh, my my comfy, comfy home and then go outside when they get there and get a 4.5 or a 4.0 than to be standing out wasting my time waiting for that jerk. I know. Well, you've proven to me that, again, why do I follow the rules? <laughs> it doesn't get me anywhere. Yeah. Also, let me ask you this question. Do you rate the drivers? I do, yes. See, I never take the time to rate them. Oh. Hmm. What do I care? You know how much better my life is that I don't care about Uber? I also think that people like to hear their names on the podcast. So I'm just going to, I got the uh, 2018 baby book, baby name book. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read through it and then people will hear their name. That's a good idea. 
Yeah, I didn't know. Um, one of the, I think the most popular name last year was Jackson for boys. Jackson. Jackson, yeah. I just, I don't know. So then, then, uh, it's a, that's thanks a for listening, name. Jackson. That's a last name. My, um, my name hit its highest popularity in 1923. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> in 78. Joanna Dugan's not happy either. Yeah. 78, I think was the height really? of Joanna. Yeah. And it was still only like 10 three, years before you were born. Yeah. Hmm. Like 300 on the list of girls, wow. baby names in the U S. So it was mm-hmm. never super popular, which is good. Is this for the show? No, I think this okay. is just us. Okay. My kids. This is just will, for Kyle. 